Hello everyone, it's Elliot here and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Stagey Place podcast. In today's episode with Alexandra Donachy, we do talk about themes of sexual assault and violence against women. As such, a serious topic and topic that is currently ongoing in the news and media, we do understand that this might be a hard topic for some people to listen to in an interview format. So I would like to say that if this is not the episode for you, then that is absolutely okay. This is an episode that I'm incredibly proud of talking with Alex about When We Died which is a show which she is touring around the UK. It sounds like a fantastic performance which is going to be really insightful but obviously with the themes of the show and you having come into this episode maybe not knowing anything about the show I do just want to warn the listeners before you get into today's episode. So with that said if you do want to skip this episode that is absolutely okay but if you are still tuning in I really hope you take something away from this episode and welcome to The Stagey Place. Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we here chat to those who work behind the scenes in theatre to make the magic that you see on stage. And in today's episode, I am chatting to the wonderful Alexandra Donachy, the writer and performer of When We Died, which is touring the UK from late March until early April. It sounds like a really insightful production and one that I'm hoping to see too whilst it's on tour. But for now, here is my interview with the writer and performer of When We Died, Alexandra Donachy. Hello Alex and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, yeah, very good, very excited. Thank you so much for coming on. Today we're going to be talking about When We Died, which is a performance which you have written and is starring in and is you're about to go into rehearsals, I believe, to go back on tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were, um, like a lot of people, very sort of typical, I was going to say victims, which does sound a bit dramatic, but I've said it now, victims of um, the pandemic. Uh, we did do Vault Festival and we managed to get our run finished on in 2020, just. We finished on the 15th yeah. of March, so nearly three years ago. In fact, when we go back into rehearsals, it's the three-year anniversary of when we had our last wow. show, yeah. um, which I don't think was planned, but I'm very, that's so satisfying. So we're going back in to kind of pick up where we left off because we had all these plans of like, let's try and do Edinburgh, let's do a tour, let's do da 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 And then obviously we we couldn't. So it was a lot worse for other people. We were week seven of Vault Festival right. and they had to cancel the eighth week. So yeah. it could have been a lot worse. But at the same time, it does feel like, yeah, it feels like three years have passed, but also feels like three days have passed. It's uh, so surreal. Yeah. And do you want to just chat a little bit about what the show is about? Yeah. Start by lowering the tone. Sure. It's a really hard show to sell, which probably isn't the best marketing sentence in itself. It's about an embalmer. So already, obviously, you know, there's themes of death and sort of post-death in it. Um, But she goes into work one day and uh, realises that the person she's due to embalm that day is actually the person who assaulted her um, raped her just under a year previously and the show then follows her kind of coming to terms with that but more so sort of how it's affected her life and in the last just under a year and also following her making a decision she's got quite a significant decision to make once she then realizes who this person is and it's a bit of a will she won't she story yeah I always feel like I have to be like there's funny bits in it too really because <laughs> it's obviously it's not like it doesn't sound laugh a minute but 
And when you're going into back into rehearsals, like we say, the past yeah. three years, a topic like this, it's so relevant. And, you know, mm -hmm. people are constantly talking about this sort of stuff, maybe not in the position of where the character is, you know, in the show, in the position mm -hmm. of work. But when you're going back into rehearsals for a show like this, how much for you has changed since the last time you did this show back in 2020? Yeah, it's such a good question because it's, it's so much feels like it's, it's I mean, the, the one thing that hasn't changed is probably a useful place to start is the fact that, as you say, it's still so relevant. Like it's not drastic change in, you know, in terms of law, for example, about how we can prevent violence against women. The kind of key thing that's changed, which almost feels a bit irrelevant, but I suppose it links to the fact that nothing's really changed. I've turned 30 since 2020, yeah. um, but the first draft was actually written in 2016 towards the end of it so suddenly you're like oh seven years that's I've gone from you know mid-20s to someone who's like early 30s who's now in that place where I'm starting to feel I'm nowhere near there yet but starting to feel what all of my friends that were older than me always talked about that when you get into your 30s you start to know yourself a bit more and be a bit more grounded and a bit, bit more kind of you know what you want you're you're a bit less scared to say what you want yeah and as I said I'm not totally there yet but I am that person is there more than she was you know I feel more like I feel more like a woman whereas I think I was a girl when I started write, writing it which feels quite cringe to say but I've changed so much and yet this scenario hasn't I mean Jesus even yesterday I was walking home 20 minute walk if that and there was at least two instances of having to be like oh right okay cross the road okay just ignore keep walking like it just doesn't change so I I suppose yeah that it, it in some ways it feels more those things that, that the fact that nothing has changed almost feels more significant but having said that yeah the the news I mean even things like a certain Hollywood producer his trials have like followed the play's timeline it's really surreal we the day after our first preview I was at Vault Festival yep. I was in a coffee shop with Andy our director and while we were talking about like how it was last night what we doing tonight da, 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 I got a news flash come through saying that he'd been sentenced to 23 years yeah and then I think maybe the day we got around the time we got the funding confirmed for this tour they announced he was going back on trial he or he'd had the trial and he was going to be sentenced and then like two days ago the sentencing came through of the other like it feels so so these kind of quite high profile stories have sort of been littered through it as well so absolutely and obviously when you're looking at people coming to watch this show yeah. is there anything that you want them to know beforehand or is there a message which you want them to take away following the production obviously when people come and see this show and see shows like this there's usually you know like support helplines and stuff you know that yeah. people can find out afterwards is there anything that you kind of like bring people towards after seeing the show or before seeing the show that you'd like people to know coming in yeah i mean what's been quite i think one of the pluses because we've had to sort of look on the bright side a bit of it taking so long to kind of get the play staged in the first place. You know, obviously I say we, we were working on it for about four years before we got to vaults and then it was like <laughs> just pause for a couple of years. But one of the pluses of that is you have time to make every aspect of the production as good as it can be. And that's something we were pretty hot on. And I think the, one of the biggest sort of examples of that and things that we, we let people know is I think when I first wrote the play and it makes me like cringe now thinking this was ever a thing but luckily we stopped doing this because before we ever went into production but I think I always saw the fact that this man had assaulted the main character in Barma 
as being the the twist you know the thing of like oh don't tell anybody it's just she goes in sees the body knows the body and then we find out how she knows the body but actually that's so dangerous and it's so awful and actually probably quite predictable you know even sort of dramaturgically um and so we now it's, it's a lot more about the kind of this decision that she has to make once she sees the body and so the kind of the thing that we don't shy away from is in the blurb it's like this is who it is she goes in this is who it is so you know when you read that if this isn't the show for you if you're not in the right place for it that's all right you, you don't have to we're very aware that you know as as much as it's you know we haven't had this yet we've been quite fortunate I think that I know of maybe I'm just too self-involved but as far as I know we've not had many people walk out but we're always quite keen to kind of say every show's a I'm not going to say that every show is a relaxed performance like you know we, we the lighting state is the lighting state but we we've certainly always said like if if people you know regardless of whether we do relaxed performances as well within a certain run people need to leave leave and if they want to come back in great and then we do have we've done quite a lot of work in the development with a couple of organizations especially Sutton Women's Centre and Serenity who are an NHS organization in Northampton and they work with a lot of people sort of post assault certainly when it involves the police oh they've just been incredible like just given us loads of resources even validation on the show do you know what I mean they've seen it and gone no you're right like this is you know that would be more likely to happen than this or you know vice versa so they've been really really generous with advice and then helping us put together like resource packs and also just things like spaces for the audience to go if they do need to leave and even at the end of the show sometimes even if you don't think you're going to be triggered by something until you don't know that until you are you know and so I think often we'll we'll make sure at venues to have a space that they can go to and just sit there for even if it's just five minutes to kind of catch their breath and then okay I'm I'm all right and it it has been a bit of a because I think you have to think don't you as well just like you have a responsibility I think whenever you write a show but I think especially when it's one that you know deals with something like this You've, you've kind of got to put people's well-being before you know as much as it's like oh look at the show I've made oh, you know we, we're all we're, we're very good at being like oh look at me look at me it's great but that's well and good as long as no one's being really hurt by it so yeah, yeah I hope I haven't missed anything but generally we're quite good at being like okay this is all the stuff if you don't want to come that's fine that's fine but but please do yeah <laughs> yeah and it's really good as well like you say to get that support from those networks that that validation to know that the writing is where it needs to be um when you started writing this in 2016 Mm. what was actually your hope for audiences to get out of the story because obviously being in 2016 as well writing the show in 2016 and Mm. then not having the performances at the vaults until 2020 Mm. what was that period like and have you always thought in your writing about the ending and what you want audiences to take away from the show yeah, the ending, I don't think, it, well, sort of certainly the, the, the way it ends, I, I don't think has ever changed. I think I'm saying that, Andy, as I said, the director might be listening to this now and being like, yes, it has, like four times, what are you talking about? I've never tried to offer a solution. Yeah. You know what I mean? I never kind of, this is how we need to stop violence against women because yeah. A, why should I? It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> the government should do that. You know, the law should do that, should have done it hundreds of years ago, whatever. But I think also it's that isn't it's not useful. It's not, you know, it's it, it's also not realistic. And I think having said that, the kind of the real thing is obviously a sense of hope, you know, wanting the audience to leave with a sense of hope that even when these awful things inevitably happen, albeit on 
sort of varying scales as I say you know it's it's daily as I say yesterday you know nothing like what happens in the play happened to me thank goodness I probably wouldn't be here if it had but certainly that kind of everyday stuff that you have to deal with giving that sense of hope that even when those things happen there is still a life for you 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 can yeah. still be the person you want to be and 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 that doesn't mean that you just kind of forget you can't forget these things but it's how do you manage them um and I think giving a sense of it almost is a signpost or it is you know because of the kind of the form of the show how it takes place that it, it becomes clear as well but I think just stressing that there is help out there yeah. definitely not alone like you know there's no one I know no woman I know that it hasn't happened to and so I think that's always been there you know even pre me too you know which which it would have been in 2016 just just you know we didn't we weren't talking about it as much I don't really remember ever talking about it or like what that feeling is of you know being sort of sacking off a night out because you're so anxious about getting home afterwards that you just say, oh, I won't bother like you know it's it was just a thing I did and then it's only over the last few years obviously people have started to say oh okay yeah me too <laughs> but yeah so it's it I think that's always been there that that sense of wanting to yeah I guess in, encourage people uh, that yeah. to know they're not alone and that you know these stories we all have them and I guess I've always wanted them to know a little bit about embalming really cool that was always a plan part of the plan yeah. And how do you feel about, obviously, because people might come and watch this and yeah. might be triggered in some sense and may want to talk after the show. Like, how does that make you feel as like a writer and a performer? Is that something that you encourage or like, how do you feel about this may happen in the tour and you may actually get stories come out like this? Is this mm-hmm. something that you you would you would want to happen and you would want to listen? Because obviously you're doing this play and it's, it might be quite harrowing for you. you yeah. Like you say, you haven't gone through the situation as the character is in the play. Performing a play like this might take its toll, you know, on some performers. Like, how do you feel about people coming up afterwards and maybe talking about their own stories? Do you know, it's such a good question because I think so much of the work we've done on looking after all audience well-being as well as mine and the whole creative team has come from experiences where this has happened and I was not okay with it um but it was a different show so I did so for context I did a show a few years ago with my sister it was autobiographical um, and it was about eating disorders and as you say this isn't this play isn't autobiographical but that play was me and my sister it was self-produced so it was the two of us sort of bumming around the country and then we did Edinburgh and I was there for you know the whole run and by the end it really really took its toll because you know things like there was just nobody there you know so it'd be things like at the end of the show someone from front of house would would come in and say oh there's someone out there to talk to you and that's fine that's not you know no one's told them they can't do that so I'm like oh right uh, yeah okay so I'd sort of go out in my costume which was like these tiny lycra shorts and thin t-shirt you know and you're like they're in Edinburgh which obviously is never warm and before you know (laughs) it an hour's gone by and you've never left the venue because you're talking to relatives of people that are going through those things right now they're at their peak mother's crying and being like I don't know what to do and I was there early mid-20s I don't I'm not you know we we need to say that we were you know I'm not a trained therapist or anything like that so it is tricky but also see the the caveat the the counterpoint of that is you don't want to say oh it's not my problem go away because that's awful but it it did influence a lot of the decisions we made on this because I think of course it can take its toll and I think part of me quite naively even now thinks well it won't be as bad because it isn't autobiographical Mm. but then you've got these things it brings out people's own stories and obviously there's elements of like the feelings that the embalmer sort of has and and 
vocalizes in the play I guess they're autobiographical you know I know those because I've had those feelings because of things that I have gone through or a very close friend has gone through while I've been with them or whatever so it of course talking about that over and over is is going to take its toll so it's I think that the main thing is it's never a case of no don't go away there's certainly like now we have a a team around us you know I'm I'm very very fortunate I'm not self-producing this and because it's been so long the producers are now you know the producer my director like we're all very good friends as well so it's we're all sort of there afterwards and there's an element of a barrier you know there's there's more of a it feels like there's there's a sort of step to take between I don't feel that I need to kind of go and see the person who's you know waiting for me outside but at the same time you know it's not about me being a diva like sorry I'm not talking to audiences today like that's not at all it but I think being able to go back to the dressing room like change have a minute shake whatever the show is off and then in the bar afterwards yeah if those conversations come up it's just I think part of what I was saying about earlier about being a bit more sure of myself now I'm like in my 30s it's also on me to be a bit better and be like do you know what I, I can't do this today do you want to email me or do you want to you know or here are the you know sharing those resources this is who you know being very clear about the fact that I'm not a trained anything you know yeah. it's really tricky because obviously the instinct is to just pull someone into a hug and cry too but like, I know isn't it awful and yeah this is what happened to me and oh yeah okay you know and, and so I think it's just being aware of where I am and I think that goes for everyone in the team day to day because it, it changes right sometimes you're like yeah I'm ready to go and start a revolution yeah. and other days you're like ah, it's in bed it's fine yeah Do you know what I mean? it's, yeah. yeah yeah and I talk about that question because obviously the show that I'm on at the moment Family Tree yeah. we have a drama therapist and she spoke exactly about this about well-being of our performers and because yeah. Family Tree talks a lot about racism in the show and with our performers coming out of certain locations that will be on in tour, which are very predominantly black, multicultural. There may be loads of stories that audience members might want to talk to our performers about. And with such a heavy show, which also has light moments in it, they may not want to talk afterwards. And our drama therapist were Bria King. She was saying about, it's just about saying to the audience members, thank you for coming. I really want to listen. But right now I'm not in the headspace to listen. And obviously this could be for our performers who may have experienced racism in the past. And, you know, if you're working on shows that have topics that you feel very close to, um, mm. There may be times that you may not want to talk. So that's why I talk about this context mm. for that question, because, you know, you may have people who have experienced that in the audience. Yeah. It's really important about the welfare. I think companies are doing really well with getting drama therapists in. And, it, you know, for me, this is the first project that I've been working on that has a drama therapist. Just the change it's making where people can have one to ones and stuff is just a wonderful thing. So, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. It is. It's so good. And I think also, I suppose, encourages people to not demonize is the right word but I think like there was a real spate I think post-covid of actors having to kind of like apologize on social media because they weren't doing stage door because they were I don't want to get covid forgive me because then you'll be cross if I'm not on and you know my understand like what do you want from me and it's that it's this thing of like performers especially but I think a lot of people that kind of choose to put themselves in in this industry it's, it's as if you owe the audiences something it's like dude come on I just did especially you know the show you're doing is probably even longer than you know the, the hour we're doing you know I've just given you two and a half hours or whatever however long it is 
of myself on stage can't that be enough like it just yeah. it, it is it it's it's I think it what is hopefully changing is with yeah the introduction of that drama therapist in, in from right from day dot in in rehearsals yeah. as well it's you know it's okay and actually if an audience member does get a bit shitty with you as a result it's like well that's not that's on them you know and it's and you get it like as you say they want to share their experience but but you're right you have if, if listening to someone's story then inadvertently triggers you then what you can't go on stage the next day maybe like you know it, it's uh yeah we're changing slowly yeah that's in the right direction yeah yeah well Alex thank you so much for coming on to talk about when we died which is going on tour from the 22nd of March until the 6th of April around the UK we're going to put all the tour dates up thank you so much for talking about the show I'm going to move away from the show and just talk about yourself now Alex and what I want to know is how did you find yourself into theatre you know where did theatre start for you what's your earliest memory and when did you know that you wanted to have a career in the industry do I I always want a really like sexy answer to this and I I don't have one but I do I think part of the thing is like it's always I suppose the kind of the main thing I was I was never told no which is good got a lot of I mean the one like condition I guess was my mum wanted me to do my A-levels before I went and trained as opposed to like going straight maybe like going doing a B-tech so then that would be like the only thing other than that it was like yeah okay crack on you know do you know do I think I'm the oldest so Obviously, there's a lot of of issues there. Um, but one of the good things about being a guinea pig, I guess, is that they're a bit like, well, yeah, okay, let's see what happens, you know, see what sticks. As as a kid, like the early, because I was thinking about this the other day, because I think one of the earliest memories I have isn't even, I don't think it is a memory because I was so young, but I was I was sort of told about it. So it's, it's like when you see a photo and you like fabricate the memory. Um, but I did get taken to a panto when I was three, right. which in retrospect is probably too young ago, but I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But my dad got tickets through work, so we, we went and um, it was Snow White. And when they were all around the coffin crying when she was asleep, I shouted out, do you want a tissue? Oh. <laughs> apparently when we were on stage, like we're corpsing and the audience. Were... And so I've often thought like maybe something seeped in there because yeah. that like inner show off was like, oh, I like this. Because <laughs> other than that, I don't really, I watched a lot of TV, like live studio audience TV, right? Yeah. I mean, who, you know, he didn't see all the big American sitcoms, but like I watched a lot of Only Fools and Horses growing up, like a lot of, you know, the kind of wooden water sketches or, or like an audience with on ITV. I didn't even know necessarily who the person was. So I think it was more that idea I saw of people performing and getting a reaction and then fell into, you know, sometimes we do... I don't know, we never did like drama in primary schools. I don't even know, I'm certainly not nowadays, but I don't think it was ever like a set lesson. But sometimes we'd do English and maybe they'd, I just remember this so vividly. I was maybe a three or four. We were doing a story, like a Biff and Chip or something. And Mrs. Griffin, she got us up to act it out. And I remember that like so clearly just running around the classroom like a lunatic. In my head, I've got a sheet on my back when I did that but I don't know where I would have got a sheet from (laughs) so that bit's probably made up but like it just knowing that I was you know I was playful I didn't like I mean I was always you know I loved writing I liked English lessons but I didn't really like sitting down so I guess there was that element like music lessons as well I couldn't I still can't play anything I barely play the triangle in tune but I did like that it wasn't at a desk do you know what I mean I like that we're all kind of sat around so I think it just sort of a combination of all these things 
it just felt quite inevitable. And I've always counted myself lucky, but it's like it's sort of two sides of the coin. I've got a lot of friends who went into something else. I've got a friend who did like an as an astrophysicist physician degree. Yeah. And then was like, no, this isn't for me. I'm going to go into acting. You know, lots of friends like that. He did something else. And then they were like, actually, I'm going to go into theatre. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I never had that, which is fine because it meant I always had this kind of individual focus. But it is also interesting to think like, oh, what else would I have been interested? Like what else could have happened? You know, but we'll never know. I'm here now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, shout out to Mrs. Griffith. Yeah. Oh, Griffin. Yeah yeah. 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 I hope she's still alive. I don't know. Let us know if you're listening. randomly somehow (laughs) whether or not you're listening to this in three to five years or whatever you know give us yeah (laughs) you might have found it (laughs) just searching your old people that you used to teach (laughs) (laughs) well Alex that moves me on to advice then that you might have for people listening to this episode wanting to become a writer or a performer maybe what advice would you have for them coming into this industry (sighs) (laughs) I will leave that sign. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, great answer. Thanks for answering. Yeah. And on that note, bye. Yeah. I think, yeah, I listen, I'm not going to say, I know, you know, a friend of mine did say once that she said to her cousin who was like, I really want to do it. She said, if you can do anything else, do that. And I do tend to agree with that, but I also am aware that's super, super hypocritical because it is a horrendous industry to be in right now. And yet every time I kind of think maybe this is it, maybe I can't do this anymore. What you know, on the bad days, I, I can't. Like it, it is still it chooses you almost, which is super, super cringe. But there is just something about it. It's the people in it. It's it's all of the stuff that comes with it. You know, it's not actually the performing part. It's like a really fun, great part of it. But it's the whole industry, right? it's the it's the right it's it's the thing of knowing I'm going on tour with this play that I wrote in 2016 and now I've got these incredible friends from it I've got these really I'm here like you know I've got these really great opportunities that have come from something that I did or that I did this idea that could have gone that's a good idea and then moved on and never thought about again like the fact that so much can come from nothing yeah it would be very mean of me to be like yeah don't don't bother I mean don't come into it if you want to make any money but I would say it's it's about that I've talked a lot about like the people you meet and I think for me it's a lot about it's like finding your people and whether that means you make stuff together and you write stuff together you write something for somebody else to read and say oh my god this is amazing or this is awful but it could be amazing or just someone to I mean Jesus even someone to like moan about it all with like finding those people who get you get what your work is who are willing to kind of listen to your 10 minute voice notes of going I don't know what I'm doing and then you listen into, to them in return like I think it's, it's finding those people and just keep making stuff and writing stuff even if you don't show it to anyone just treat it like you know the, the gym right like it's yeah. it's that muscle just just keep doing it and and always be aware of what you're I think we're very good at being like oh but what if no one likes it or what if you know it's not even that good it's like I think actually possibly counterintuitive as this sounds right for you like write the story you want to see on stage or on screen like the story you want to tell and then as I say you'll find your people there will be people that will get it. It will it will find its its corner. Don't let anyone stop you. Like don't you don't wait for permission. Because I think if if I had waited for someone to say, okay, you're a writer now, you can write this play, it it, it wouldn't. I probably would be doing something else now. Because well, it didn't, you know, never worked. Just don't take no for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I think there's a lot to be said for the thing of you know if someone says to you like, oh, it's oh, it's, it's all right, it's not great. Just like try and turn it around in your head and be like, oh my god. 
I feel really sorry for you that you haven't picked my script yeah. or that you haven't chosen me as the actor for your project. Yeah. It's all right. You'll be okay. Yeah. You move on. Like, even if that's just a lie you have to tell yourself, like, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> through another day of being in this industry. So just, yeah, just keep going and and, and doing keep it, whatever on. it is. On. Yeah, that's yeah. a lovely piece of advice. I like that. I like that analogy of a muscle, like going to the gym, like it's a muscle that you need to keep yeah. pushing. You know, what a great analogy. I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take that. Have good days and bad yeah. days at the gym as well, right? Yeah. Like maybe, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, but just yeah. going is the win, even if you just have a nap on the treadmill. Like it's That's it. I'm, I'm loving this. Alex, I've got one final question for you. It's the title of this podcast, and that is The Stagey Place. What I love to ask all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So this could be the theatre that you first visited as a child, where you saw Snow White and shouted out, do you want a tissue, when they were crying around the copy. <laughs> it could be a venue in which you've gone to see a piece of theatre that has inspired you to then write a show. It could be a venue in which you've performed formed a show you know it could literally be anywhere it doesn't even have to be a theatre it could be a space that maybe you've rehearsed one of your shows or it could be somebody that's inspired you throughout the course of your journey here as a writer and performer so Alex whereabouts is your stagey place so the place that I keep coming back to even just the second you said that that it's just sort of been going over and over in my head is maybe not specifically the Royal and Derngate but certainly in and around the Royal and Derngate in Northampton Yes. Because that place has been a constant to me yeah. in my career so far. I trained in Northampton, so we had quite a lot on with, we had quite a few connections with the one in Derngate. So I did my first job there. I did the job there that got me my equity card, my full equity card. So yeah. that was, that was great. And then completely coincidentally, skipped forward a few years when I met Andy who as they've gone on to be yeah. the director when we died and a really great friend we didn't realize this when we met I'm not sure if he even knew that I trained in Northampton but I didn't realize he was from Northampton uh-huh. so the show's kind of had this win then like just because of that Courtney our producer um she's not Northampton based but she's not far from there so we did a lot of like all of our vaults rehearsals were in Northampton it it just it's the place we keep coming back to and there's a small part of me that even thinks when we died is is based there it's definitely that's where I see when we're we're um doing it. So I think, yeah, it just feels like that's where it all started. But it's also the place that hasn't given up on me. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I kind yeah. of keep going back. Uh, or maybe I haven't given up on it. Maybe that's it. I keep going back. They don't keep inviting me back. I just <laughs> I'm like, hi, hi guys, yeah. <laughs> here we go. So yeah, I'd say in and around the Royal and Dungey in Northampton. Very nice. I love Thank that. You. Do you know what? This this we've done like eighty five episodes of this podcast. Yeah. I love the fact that I'm hearing just different places each time. It's yeah. just really, really yeah. lovely. It's really nice. So, Alex, thank you so much for coming out to the stage cool. today. Uh, for talking about When We Died. Again, it's going out on tour from March until April. We'll have all of the dates online for people to book tickets for. We'll put booking links there. And then hopefully people will be able to come and see you on tour. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you so much. And there we go. That was my interview with Alexandra Donaghy, the writer and performer of When We Died, which is touring the UK from late March until early April. If you're interested in watching the production after listening to today's interview, you can see all of the UK tour dates in our episode notes wherever you are streaming this episode. And that's it for this week's episode. So I'd love to thank Alexandra once again for coming on to the stage place to talk about her show. 
Next week, we'll be joined by Rafaela Marcus, who is bringing their Edinburgh Fringe transfer, SAP, to the Soho Theatre and talking with our guest host, Sam Pout. So I'm really looking forward to all of you hearing that episode. But until you hear from me next, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.